Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This season, we'll be covering all things wealth, from owning it to maximizing it. For further information, or if you'd like help accelerating your wealth directly, please do contact us. Head over to our website, www.rebeccarobertsonevo.co.uk. So one welcome, Catherine. I'm really excited to have you on board today. And I know that a lot of people say that um, when we when we speak to new people. Oh, I'm so excited to speak <laughs> to you. But I think that um, I've I've I remember back when I first introduced you um, to a group of women. Um, I was running a women's networking group, and this I think this came up on my Facebook timeline the other day. I think it was over about five or six years ago. And um, I was running a women in business uh, free enterprise um, group. And I was doing this big, like a big evening event and you kindly came along um, and did an amazing presentation um, to, to the ladies. And even weeks and weeks later, everyone was saying how amazing it was and how oh. great it was. And I, I, I clearly, clearly remember it. So I've always been very fond of your, your ideas about how you want to come across. For sales, for me, um, is something that um, I, I, I know that I feel a little bit icky about because I work in financial services and there's always been like that car salesman concept or you go into a bank and they try and sell you something. Um, so I've always listened to your stuff and I've always admired your approach to things. So I, truly, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for, I know you're going to be sharing some amazing tips and knowledge and, and story about yourself. Um, so, so welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. More than welcome. So Catherine is a UK leading expert in authentic and heart-centered sales. Catherine, would you like to tell people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I run a business. My business is called Selling from the Heart. And um, I work with business owners who've gone into business mainly because they feel called to make a difference to other people. And what I find is that particular group of people whose priority is helping, then they want to get well paid for it. They often really struggle with sales and also marketing as well. Um, and that can hold them back in growing their businesses. So I teach them how to sell in a way that feels really authentic and comfortable and congruent so that they stop feeling afraid of sales and resisting it as part of their business process. They actually start to fall in love with sales. And when a business owner actually starts to love sales, you can imagine everything just changes because it opens the floodgates for them to start inviting more people in and having more conversations. So that's what I'm all about. It's, I think for then it starts to get quite exciting, doesn't it? Because you're not so much thinking inwardly about, oh, should I say this? What do I do? How does this work? It's a lot of mindset stuff going on. And, and that's one of the reasons to invite you along today, because I strongly believe in that they're, they're connected, our, our, our wealth in terms of our ceiling, um, and certainly as business owners, how you sell and how you position yourself, they, they are literally almost the same thing. Because if you've got somebody that's got a really poor mindset, how can they grow? How can they sell? How can they get more sales in and be able to do that in a way that is heart centered and doesn't feel icky and it does feel from a real purpose and um, a, a nice place. Um, so you're um, here today to talk about a little bit about your story. So I'd love to hear about what wealth means to you. Okay, so I want to know if I have permission to give you three things because when I was in the shower this morning thinking about it, I was like, it actually means three slightly different things all at the same time. And the first, the first one for me is when you say wealth, and I think about building wealth, 
wealth to me means financial freedom. It means having enough money or enough money in my assets that I can live off my assets without needing to work. And those assets bring in enough for me to, to, to live off. Um, now, for me, that's wealth. I, I'm not massively materialistic or consumerist. And so I'm not, it's not about millions in the bank. It's about enough to be financially free. On one level, that's what it means for me. But it also means a wealthy life right now. Because I've had enough times in my life, particularly back when I worked in corporate, where I was working so hard to save money because I wanted to escape that life, that I was effectively living in lack all the time, even though I was putting money in the bank every month. And so for me, wealth, one of the things that I've learned over the years is not to sacrifice my wealthy life right now in the pursuit of this future financial freedom. And so wealth means, it means all the things. It's like, it's having a juicy life, a life that feels good to experience right now. So I'm not putting off into the future. And as a sort of little example of that, um, I have just bought a camper van. Um, I'm in the process of buying, I receive it tomorrow. And it's taken a really big chunk of my potential wealth future to take and purchase this camper van. So if you look at, oh, I'm 50 years of age and I'm really focused on building my financial freedom. I don't have that financial freedom yet. Um, on paper, if I look at my financial goals, it doesn't make sense. But if I look at my wealthy life and what I really want from life, living and working out of a camper van has been a dream of mine for the last 12 to 14 years. And so for me, it's that, that wealth of feeling like I'm living the exact life I want to live and I'm waking up every day the way that I want to wake up is as if not more important than the wealth that will come in future one day. And I remember my sister, because my sister's quite big on money and she's quite big on money and doesn't, I think doesn't always see the wealth that we can experience right now when we're not too, too focused on our future financial future. And she said to me once, you know, if you don't sort out your financial future, you're going to end up living in, uh, in, in, in a council flat with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, you know, like, that doesn't feel scary to me. I think if I've, if I've had a good life and it turns out that in my retirement years, I haven't sorted out my financial freedom and I do end up living in a way that is not most people's dream, I could, live, I could be very happy with a very simple life knowing that I had a good life. Whereas a lot of people do it the other, a lot of people do it the other way around. They're so busy focusing on their future financial freedom that they forget that the wealth is now. The wealth yeah. is now today, day by day, how we live. And then the third one I can say really quickly is it's about enough. It's about not living in lack. So it's about enough, enough. You know, me and my partner, we live in a really gorgeous apartment. Um, we buy what food we want. It's all organic. We don't scrimp on the thing. If I want to go on holiday, I go on holiday. But in other areas, we're not crazy about, we're not crazy materialistic, trying to buy the bigger, fancier car. There's lots of things that are not important to us. But wealth is also that. It's about enough. It's not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be wealthy financially. But it's about that um, day by day, not living in lack and not needing to worry and scrimp and save day by day because there is enough for the things that are important for us and life doesn't feel difficult. And that is what wealth means to me as well. So I know it's quite a long answer. It's an amazing answer and there's so much that we could we could talk about and I, I want to hear more about your camper van if anything. <laughs> what colour is your camper van? It's white. White and where, and where are you going to go first in it? Um, well we're waiting for lockdown we're, we're in lockdown at the time that you're you're recording this yeah. so um, we are 
it, it looked like at the moment it looked my, my family are all in Wales and right. um, they are more locked down than we have been locked down but it looks like Wales is going to lift some of their restrictions next week and that there's talk about them allowing people to stay in places with um, with their own private enclosed bathroom and kitchen areas which will include right. camper vans and caravans so we will probably head and visit my family that sounds amazing it sounds so exciting yeah. so you'll be doing lives and podcasts and things from possibly anywhere in your camper van so it's very very soon that's, well that's that's the plan that's the plan um, oh, I love that. It's, that sounds yeah. sounds sounds super exciting yeah. and i think but it's, a, being... it's a process at the moment for us you know we're not there yet but you know it's more i, I guess i just more wanted to share almost the principle of the thinking which yeah. is that i would take a chunk of my financial future and use it on my on my wealthy life right now yeah um, but the yeah no and i completely get that and what that resonates for me when i think about my my clients is actually i, I do have the, the two camps and the people that come to me asking for help are recognizing that there's something that they haven't done they have maybe lived for today a little too much at times um, and they want to continue to do that but they also want to plan for the future um, and then i have clients who are um, that they're constantly worried about what the future looks like, but that actually creates, creates indecision. Um, and actually they'd end up not doing anything. They're not living for today. And they're just maybe really being quite cautious in their approach and then, and then not doing anything. Um, and then yeah, and that's how, yeah, go on. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so, and that's how, um, sometimes for me, it's about the balance. It's about, you know, living for today in terms of, you know, making some bigger decisions and not, things that are, for example, going to be uh, an expensive outlay for you, but they're things that actually will help you and support you in the future and they make you happy. So for me, that's okay. I've got my ducks in line. I haven't got my complete financial freedom in place, but I hope I'm, I've the, the, I'm on the path. I'm on that road. If you like, it takes time. There's no overnight wind. Um, and some would say a horse is, uh, is, is, is an, an unnecessary expense, but for me, it's a necessary part of my being to be around horses and to 15 years I waited to have my own and I spend hundreds of pounds every month not only to care for my horse and to look after it to make sure it's got the right food and the right supplements but also to hire vans to take it to the beach and gallop across the beach which I hope to do in a few weeks time and I look at my bank statement sometimes and go that few hundred pounds that I spent that I probably shouldn't have done but I didn't spend it on unnecessary things like another winter coat or another wear of winter boots or another, you know, like an, another, a lot of stuff that's not necessarily. Yeah. I was just muting myself, Catherine. So I'm just done a pause on that because my husband's going into his office and the door sticks and it makes this really sticky noise. So um, a typical man who can never be quiet when doing it. <sighs> and <laughs> um, so that unnecessary expense which I think um, I don't I, I'm quite sensible in my approach and I have a budget for that um, and that allows me to um, have a happy life at the same time as having my ducks in a row so I, I think that's what I particularly uh, got got from that yeah um, and I used to be more like when you talk about your clients the ones who are not enjoying their money that was how I used to be I think I grew up you know, I came from a family, we were not well off. My parents were very, very careful with money. And I grew up to be very cautious. And to, I think I held money as overly precious. And I believe that it had to be saved. 
And I was brought up to, be, to believe that I had to pay off a mortgage and that I had to have a pension, but particularly to pay off the mortgage was a really strong message for me as I grew up. Mm. And so for me, in my 30s in particular, when I really started earning very good money, the focus was all on save, save, save. Mm. And actually, I remember going on a personal development course after I'd finally left the, the, the corporate world and doing this work and unpicking and unraveling and realizing that I'd actually become afraid of money because money had associated itself with, tra with trauma for me because the more money I earned, the more I tried to save, the more in lack I was feeling, the more anxious I was about wow. maybe I would lose the money. Did I, what do I do with it? And that the whole thing about work, there, there had been no enjoyment connected with money. It was all the hard work required to earn mm -hmm. it and then all the hard work required to keep it and make it do something. And then I lost it. I, I lost right. most of it. And, and, then I've, and then I've rebuilt, um, starting in my early 40s. And I, um, and I learned new lessons. And I've learned from that experience of trying so hard to save money and being so hanging on tightly to it, mm. um, that actually that's not, that's not a quality way of life. That's actually letting money rule our lives. And there's a there's a bit of wiggle room and you know is it we, we get so programmed and conditioned to believing that we should have money in our retirement and sometimes I think well what is the worst case scenario like really what would the worst case scenario be mm. if you don't have a lot of money at the end of your life you know my one set of grandparents of mine were not were not at all wealthy but they had a home and a very simple life they didn't go on fancy holidays or have fancy cars but they weren't they weren't suffering either they were still having a quality no. of life with family around them and things yeah. yeah and i think it just depends on perspective doesn't it and and in from a financial ratio they say when you retire your pension income whether it's a state pension or a private pension or a work pension whatever it is you've got coming in um might, might be property for example um should be up to six, around 60 percent of what you were earning when you were employed or when you had your business but if you were earning i don't know let's say six hundred thousand a year would you really need that in retirement what would you be doing and I, it just depends on people's life choices right because yeah. if they go if they're literally living on a yacht compared to you know a two-bedroom small garden um don't go on holiday just want a little allotment in the garden to grow some plants and that's a simple life and there's no judgment like there's no right or wrong yeah then it, it does depend on your perspective, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and this is where your work comes in, of course, because you help people figure out what they really want and then yeah. they can build backwards, which is what I've done. I've got very clear on what I really want and what financial freedom really means to me. And I'm also building towards that. So I'm not saying, oh, money, let, you know, let me just splash money around everywhere. It's more about the priorities. What, and, and I then also have a plan that it is building towards my financial freedom but over a longer, more gradual period of time. I don't try and do the get rich quick stuff. I used to believe that that was possible. I don't believe in that anymore, but it's a gradual, slow, every month, you know, every month. And bit by bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that steady, yeah, definitely that consistent, steady approach. Mm. So what advice would you sort of given yourself if you were sort of talking to yourself back in your thirties where you were really holding on to things, you were really working hard, it felt quite restrictive for you, like you felt like you wasn't really get, getting anywhere, you probably were, but it didn't feel like it. What would you now say to that version of yourself? Well, what actually, you I did feel I was getting somewhere. Um, I, I was thinking about this in it before this session, but in my, thir in my early 30s, for a few years, 
I saved five thousand. I saved five thousand pounds every month into a savings account. Wow. Yeah, a lot. And so I did feel I was getting somewhere. I, this was my financial freedom. I was building it but I didn't have any actual education about what to do with the money, which I've mm-hmm. since got. Yeah. Um, but only since losing most of it, did I then rebuild as I started this business, I started getting the actual education. And if I could go back and I didn't even know at that age, what that there were even the possibility of learning. But if I could go back to myself in my early thirties, when I was, you know, at beginning that period of really high earning to say, go and get this education, go and learn what to do with this money. Mm. And I would have probably been financially free by my 40s in a modest way. Yeah. But I believe that I could potentially have been financially free by my early 40s. Mm. Instead, I was starting over in my early 40s. And yeah. I've also got a piece of advice for myself in my early 40s because I was starting over and I was starting my business and money was really tight. Yeah. And, I, and even though I started getting my financial education at that time, I believed that I couldn't afford to actually start investing anything. And it was quite a few years in before I started directing income into ongoing savings. And uh, so another piece of advice for me at that point in my life would have been to put something aside, even if it's just, even if I feel I can't afford it, even if I could put 10% of everything I brought in, but to be, even if it was just 50 pound a month, even if it was just a hundred pound a month, to have started putting that money aside into my financial future fund, even at the time that I felt I couldn't afford it, because the reality is you can't afford not to either. And I have started late considering my early that I did. I was doing very well early in my life. I've actually started late, truly building my financial future, knowing what I know now. And it's, and it's hard. It it takes a lot of, it's a big chunk of money that goes into, that goes into savings regularly now because I've got a smaller window to catch up and I'm 50 and I'd like to have the choice by the time I'm 60 to work or not work. Brilliant. So what advice would you give other women that are listening then? Well, I think what I've, what I've just said, but if it's women in spe- specifically, I think I would say, cause I can't talk for all women. I'm just going to say very generally empower yourself because mm. I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't empowered Nobody taught me about money or how to manage finances at any point through my entire life. Not my family, not my father, not my school. Nowhere did I come across this education. So I made a lot of mistakes. And I would say for women, empower yourself. You know, I trusted the the, the employer. I trusted that the employer was going to always pay me. And then I think if I'd got married, I didn't get married. But I might have. I see a lot of women, they trust their husband or their partner to manage all of the money. Um, and they feel they feel a bit helpless and then they come in to start a business and because they've never taken empowerment for their own money before they come into business and they come into business unempowered about money and then they and they have stories about feeling uncomfortable selling and they don't want to price themselves at a level that's going to make their business sustainable and they have all this stuff and uncomfortable feelings around money and sales and pricing and actually the, the issue is really that they never got empowered and educated and took control of their money lives because if they had they could translate that into their businesses it's like a lot of women are continually giving up their power to something outside of them um, and I know it's not all women but I do see that a lot and I'd encourage any woman empower yourself even if your husband is bringing a really good salary go and learn property investment and start doing a little bit of property investment on the side for yourself 
or set up a, an online business, even if you're not trying to do it to um, make millions from it, just empower yourself to bring in your own money and to like manage your own money. Maybe offer to share them financial management or sit down together as a couple and look at the financial management together. And I, and I think in that way, you then get control of your money and the money doesn't feel like something that is running out of your control. So I might not be financially free in the financial sense, but I feel financially free in terms of the fact that my money no longer controls me and it's no longer a source of anxiety. I understand it. I understand its flow. I know what I'm doing with it. I understand financial decisions that I choose to make. And I wasn't always like that. And I know that, you know, that's, that would be my advice for any woman to educate and empower herself into how to actually manage and control her own money. That's, and that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I think that was, I could really hear that coming from your heart, actually. I felt, I felt the, the passion coming through there. So that was amazing. Thank you. And in relation to business owners, particularly then, so if they're coming into their business, um, or even maybe they've run their business for a little while, I know that, for example, it took me quite a long time, maybe even three or four years before I got comfortable charging in the right way. Mm. Um, and, and, and having those sort of financial conversations, those money conversations where you're saying, this is what I'm worth. And if, if you can't see that, then we're not right for each other. Um, and being confident in that, what would be your sort of I mean, you've got years and years of experience with this stuff. What would be your key nugget that you would encourage women to consider when it came to having those conversations and understanding their worth? Okay, so yeah, so this is what I spend my days teaching. <laughs> and I think one of the key things is that you've, you actually said something there that I think is very common for, for women to think that um, it's about their worth. And actually there is this element of needing to detach your personal worth and sense of self-worth and value, which can be up and down for us all the time, all of us, and detach that from the actual value of the thing that you offer and you sell. So Rebecca, you've got your own personal sense of self-worth, which is quite, probably quite high now, you know, successful business owner, been in it for a while, so, you know, you're a good mum. you know, there's probably a lot of areas in your life where you can feel self-worth. And then there's your business. And in the early stages of, of business, a lot of women don't feel really high self-worth. They have a lot of self-doubt and they're lacking in confidence because they haven't proved themselves yet. And it's about connecting into the value of the thing that you bring because you don't have to have high self-worth to hugely believe in the value of the thing that you bring and you offer and that you make a difference. And then it's about learning how to communicate that value really, really clearly so that your potential client understands the value. And I always say, it's not the job of the client to understand your value. It's your job to communicate that value to them. Because if you can't explain and communicate why what you do is important and matters and will benefit them, how can you expect them to know? And I think a lot of small business owners just assume, like maybe if I use the example of maybe a hypnotherapist and she's learned hypnotherapy because it helped her get rid of anxiety and depression and she feels so passionate about it now that she wants to help other people so she takes it as self-evidence that hypnotherapy is a really good idea but other people don't understand that and so a really cool part of what i teach is teaching people how to actually communicate the value of what they bring so that they can do the job of communicating and then the potential client can go ah oh, now i understand now i see why i need this and yeah no that's amazing thank you mm. and I, I know myself even this last year or so i've been developing other programs and new things 
even though I knew the value in it and I knew why they needed it, I just physically couldn't articulate that. Yes. I couldn't yeah. articulate it. I could only do that once I got testimonials and people coming back to me with feedback that then they told me and I went, oh, that's what you're getting from it. I knew you'd get value, but I didn't quite understand how it would interpret to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Really, I think that's a really important piece, knowing yeah. who your audience is and what they're getting and how you can help them and being taking your passion um, and, and articulating it in a way that not you won't just understand it, but they understand it is, is, yeah. is, and that's where the marketing comes in, right? That's, it's not just sales, but they do go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Because in order, you know, I always say they're like the yin and the yang and I can't teach one without the other. So all my programs sort of cross over both because you could be the best at sales in the world, a really effective, authentic, very heart centered sales approach. But if nobody even knows you exist, then you're not going to have anyone to have conversations with. But what yeah. I see more often is a lot of small business owners are so afraid of sales mm. that, they, that they do a lot of marketing almost as a diversionary tactic. So they feel like they're doing something and they don't have to face the sales piece. But if you do a lot of marketing and you get, have a really clear marketing message, but you're not good at sales and you don't have a clear sales process, it's like pouring water into a bucket with a hole at the bottom. All the marketing yeah. effort is lost. So it's a bit of both, but yes, it's about, so I, I, the way I teach it is to have, I call it a captivating introduction. It's like when we're sticky Velcro, when someone comes across you for the very first time, whether it's mm. online or offline, how do you communicate what you do in like a small sound bite enough that that person knows they want to know more. It's like almost reaching out a little hook, just a tiny little hook and grabbing them. And then when you've grabbed them, you've got a bit of space to go into a little bit more detail, maybe with your marketing copy or your conversation. Yeah. And then you can like, pull them along to the next stage the next step yeah and, and, it's, and, it's, not, and it's not pushy you know I, I didn't consciously say it but I said pulling you're pulling them you're not yeah. pushing anyone into anything you're just pulling them along hey yeah. let me hook you with this let me hook you with this next bit let me hook you this yeah. next. would you like a conversation great let's have a conversation and then you guide them through that conversation and I'm very big on teaching a structured sales conversation as well Otherwise, people end up having a really lovely conversation. It's like, we had an amazing connection and I really enjoyed the conversation. I, just, I can just feel that they're going to be a client and then they never hear anything else again. Yeah, I I, I, I'm a bit of a, I, last year I employed um, someone to work in my team and actually she's my client manager now. And um, initially she was to take over the initial phone calls because rather than me having a 15, 20 minute, just to see if I can help you, it ended yeah. up going into, okay, well, what mortgage have you got? What pensions have you got? Um, okay, well, when did you do this? And all the detail um, and it'd be like an hour long. And I just physically got to a point where I just couldn't do that many anymore. Yeah. Um, so for me, I employed somebody else to do it because I just knew that I was, maybe too heart-centered in the opposite direction, too giving, too nice, too helpful, and actually it wasn't doing me any favors. Um, yeah. So yes, it can, it, there's a balance in, in, in most things, isn't there? Yeah, and that's where the structure comes in because with the structure, it, it helps guide you. It's almost like riverbanks. Mm. So, you know, most of the people who work with me are very heart-centered. They care more about helping and making a difference than they do about making money a lot of the time, which, yeah. which, is, which is a challenge in itself. <laughs> and so the structure helps people stay within these riverbanks and they're less likely to, to wander off and create this lovely lake where they solve all the people's problem in the one phone call. And then they get off and they think, well, why haven't I got any clients? They've made a difference to all these people and no, no clients. So, yeah, that structure really helps for overhelping people. 
I, I'm laughing because that was me so much. And now I, I, find, I found other ways to help people by creating other products that can help those people instead. Yeah. Um, so big learning curve. Well, Catherine, I've really enjoyed our chat today. Mm -hmm. I have my last question, however, and I think you've all really sort of more, almost answered it. Um, but that's what, what do you look for the future? So what does your future look like when it comes to your wealth? And I think you've sort of described that already, but is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I can describe it a bit more. So I have done the work and I know my financial freedom number. So I know what amount of money I need to have invested in assets in order to have the money I need to live off every month at a modest amount. You know, I'm not massively, like I said before, I'm not massively consumerist or materialist. I have, a, have very simple needs, really. So, um, and I know, I'm confident that I will reach that within the next five to 10 years. And that's, that's where I'm heading now. The, corona, the, the whole coronavirus and the impact it's having on the economy is potentially throwing that up in the air because a large part of my strategy is stocks and shares investments. I have one investment property, but it's other than that, it's stocks and shares. And I know that it's hard to see like quite what the future is, but I've also decided not to get hang up on that because if I, if I either lose or delay my financial freedom, I'm not alone. It's me and millions of other people who are going to be in the same boat so i've decided not to get overly hung up on that but yeah i and i'm and i also did a property investment course earlier this year i um invested quite a bit in that because i wanted to make sure that i was learning and i wasn't going to make any big financial mistakes in property which i've done before so i'm diverting so my so here's how i see my wealth i can do this really quickly i see like my wealth machine the machine that creates the money for me that's my business that's selling from the heart and then the money that's selling from the heart gives me i then use that money to buy the assets and so at the moment it's been mainly stocks and shares and i'm now looking at getting into property investment but i'm not you can use property for different strategies. I'm not planning to use property to make the money necessarily. I'm planning to use property to put the money in that I've already made as assets. So it's about building these different like asset streams. I don't necessarily know the right language for it. You've got the language for it um, with a view to getting that up to the level where I could choose to work or not work. Because at the moment I do have to work. I'm not financially free. So I'm incredibly lucky that I love what I do. Yeah, and, and you just described perfectly where aspirationally I'd love everybody to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then they can tell their story in five years time or you need to be doing the same thing because this stuff isn't taught at school. And yeah. it took me a long, long time, even working in financial services, working for banks, being working as a financial planner. Um, this stuff wasn't taught. It's only when I took my head out of the financial services parapet. Um, and said what is out there in the big wide world and I learned so much more and brought the two worlds together that um, and so yes so beautifully put your, your language was, was perfect people okay, will get you. it and understand it the less jargon the better in my in my view yeah and there's a piece there as well that I want to just throw in which is I invested quite a lot in the in the property training about fourteen thousand pounds in total and so somebody might, an older version of me might have looked at that and thought, oh my gosh, you must be crazy. You know, how long will it take you to, you know, how long could it, how long is it taking you to save that? What impact does that have on your future financial freedom? But my view is that learning to educate myself properly in what to do with my money will save me money in the long term, especially in the world of property where one big mistake can cost you 20,000 or one big mistake can cost you multiple tens of thousands. And so there is also this, and I've learned this through my business. I used to be very nervous about any sort of investment where I couldn't see that, that type of investment. Um, and I've really learned through my business that when I invest money in the right education and training, it pays for itself, but I have to 
trust at the, the early stages that you know and it, yeah so so sometimes you the big chunks of money go out in order to make the investment in bringing more back in later and i've seen that when i've invested in business mentoring as well yeah, definitely and, and i would certainly concur with that um i think sometimes it's getting the right help at the right time when you're ready and you, you can do that in small steps when and then when you're more ready you can take bigger investments when you're ready certainly um so gavin how can people get in touch with you what's the best way for them to connect with you well, the best way to find me actually is, and call me old fashioned, but I have a website um, <laughs> and it's at the URL is sellingfromtheheart.com. And I would normally direct people there as the first place to find out more about me because there's two very valuable things there. One is the um, sales conversation process that I've just been talking about. I share that for free on my website. It's called the seven steps to yes training. And it's a series of seven three minute videos. So it's very digestible. And it teaches you step by step how to have an authentic sales conversation that doesn't allow the person to rush off over the river bags and make a muddy pool that nobody ever buys. And then there's also a quiz called the authentic sales styles quiz, because every woman who's uncomfortable with sales feels uncomfortable for one route for particular reasons. But there are always other reasons that make her really brilliant at sales. She just hasn't hasn't seen it yet. And there's also a sales type or profile where she feels really comfortable with sales, but she's not actually getting any clients. And so when people understand their authentic sales style, it can also really help them to start really bringing money into their business. Because if a woman's not afraid of sales, she brings money into her business. And when she brings money into her business, there's money left over to invest in her financial future. So yeah, sellingfromtheheart.com. And then I, I have a Facebook group and my you know social media profiles and things, but that's the place to go get those goodies and then you can decide whether you want to stick around and find out more from me from there that's awesome and i love the way that you practiced what you preached there and explained the value and what people were going to get from it and you said how important it was and how you know and related it back to the previous conversation i love how you did that where it's uh, all positioned around the conversation and you really gave the value as to what you people are going to get from it so that was really well represented so thank you for sharing that link and then um, Looking forward to um, talking to you again, I hope, and looking forward to um, having another conversation in the future. So thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Accelerate Your Wealth. If you'd like to take the steps to accelerate your wealth further, perhaps owning it more or maximizing it to its full potential, please do head over to our free Facebook group, The Money Mastery Collective, where we post regular updates on tips to maximize your wealth and also support you along the way. We'd love to see you there.